listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's your host, Lena Forrestal. And today I have with me Aaron Steinberg, the creator of Baby Proofing Your Relationship, an on-demand course that helps couples navigate their relationship after baby, a hot topic. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lena. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your parenthood journey, and how you got into marriage coaching. I might have read on your LinkedIn profile that you started off as a poker coach. (laughs) (laughs) Or you played poker. I was like, I need to hear this guy's story. Okay. Well, so now you're going to send me a little bit farther back into time, but I'll try and I'll try and glaze over that part as quickly as possible. I mean, that's so interesting. I need to hear how it ties in. Well, okay. So, so um, I graduated college with a math degree, believe it or not. And my, I have two little brothers who are identical twins and they were both professional poker players. Wow. Actually, one of them got fourth in the 2015 world series of poker. Wow. And so my first job out of college, I had like a lot of student loan debt, as a lot of us do. And my first job, yeah, my first job out of college was um, working for my cousin in New York City at a women's uh, clothing company as like a salesperson. And as you might imagine, given the fact that I've now became a relationship counselor and coach and educator that I wasn't super into that job. It was sort of like a pay the bills thing. Yeah. And so when I left, my brother was like, I'm moving out to the Bay area. Why don't you join me? I'll teach you how to play poker. Like let's kind of make a new life. And I, I was having a really hard time personally, you know, going through a tough time in my life. And so that was like such a gift to me. I did that for about six months and I had some success, but basically had this realization of like, this isn't easy, right? Like this isn't glamorous. This requires a lot of studying and like really caring about playing a game. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, no, no shade to people who are really into games. I think games are cool, but it was just like, this isn't me. Like I can't spend all my time playing a game and studying a game. The thing I really wanted to think about was helping people with their problems, helping people with their relationships. Like my mind was always going that way anyway. Um, And I was like, well, if I'm going to spend all my time doing something, this seems like the thing to do. And so I redirected to going to life coaching school. I went to a school called the Coaches Training Institute. And then I got a master's in psychology and have been kind of training in the general field of coaching and therapy for a number of years. But I always knew from the beginning, I was just obsessed with relationships, like probably in part because I'm a child of divorce and that was a hard thing in my family. I fell in love or whatever that means at a very early age. So I was just super into like the effect that relationships have on our lives and how they're so important to us and yet seem to cause us so much misery. And we seem to be not particularly good at them on average. I want to do something about this. But when you're first starting out as a counselor, you kind of have to go into the place where you can get work. And for me, I was well known in the poker world. And so I started out doing kind of like success coaching for professional poker players uh, and then kind of like doing the relationship stuff on the side. And then I went full bore into relationships after I got my master's. And as I also got married and had my own kids, I have two young kids as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I got here. It probably feels like you lived, you know, 10 different lives. I still feel like I'm living 10 different (laughs) lives. I mean, I did, I last year I did a trauma therapy certificate, which was a whole different thing. And I, I have stopped seeing private clients for the last bit and I'm totally focused on this course. So it's like always evolving. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of life, right? We have, you know, so much time on this earth that why just do one thing? I think that's partially why we're so bad at relationships is because in school, we don't focus at all on relationships, even just between peer to peer. Like we, we focus on the maths and the geometry and, you know, algebra, AP calc, like what is AP calc doing for me? Right. Like what does it do for your marriage? And, and if you think about it, most people enter into long-term relationships. Wouldn't it be great if there was just a class on, you know, interpersonal skills and communication and how to coexist with someone else in a space? Like we don't cover any of that. Totally. I mean, this is actually one of my sort of soapboxy hot takes. And one of the things I talk about in the course is like, we're not taught how to do anything like this. And we're not set up well to become parents and maintain our relationship. And like most people, if not all people struggle with this, and I just want to humanize it and be like, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with your relationship. If you're struggling through having a relationship period, but especially if you have kids, because how are you supposed to know how to handle these things that come up and the challenges of balancing work and family and socializing and self-care and being a good parent, it's like almost borderline impossible. And this is, <laughs> yeah, I see another, this is one of the reasons that I, I, I'm kind of oriented toward teaching this course as prep, because once you're in there, it kind of starts snowballing. So the more I've kind of gotten into this, the more I've been like, you know, we should be able to kind of know what we're in store for so we can identify these things and navigate them better. So we are taught in advance how to do them well. That course seems like something that really should be offered. Like so when you get pregnant, you know, they talk about the Lama, Lama's class. Lama's, that, yeah. I? Like, wow, yeah. Lama's. Oh, my gosh. My son, my son is two. So it's it's been two years, but I feel like you just black out and forget everything. <laughs> totally. But I feel like a course like this should really be talked about and offered with all those programs, because if there was one thing that I took away from the hospital that my husband and I took away was one nurse that pulled my husband aside and said, she's going to be weepy for the next probably six weeks. So don't worry if that's what happens. Mm. And even just that like little nugget of advice was so valuable for our relationship because it just explained a lot of my behavior, mm. you know, just in general, like we don't, we talk about the health of the mother. We talk about the health of the baby, super important, definitely. But the partnership, like the strength of the partnership really is vital to the mother's health, just having that support. And then also just to the health of the baby. Like it's just, it's, it's very interesting, this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like I, I just got done reading um, the book, what happened to you uh, by Bruce Perry and Oprah, which is a book about trauma. And I mean, it's like a pretty well-validated thing at this point that the quality of the relationship affects the healthy development of the child. And so it's sort of all one thing, right? I mean, your relationship on its own matters, your own well-being matters. And obviously one of the things we're most concerned about as parents is the health of our child. And it's easy to kind of compartmentalize those things and be like, oh, it's okay. Like they're going to be fine. And, and they will be right. I mean, obviously they're single parents that raise great kids, but it certainly helps, you know, a lot if you can have a healthy environment for the kid to develop in. Oh yeah, absolutely. And especially if maybe you've come from a household where the modeled behavior wasn't so positive or something that you want repeated and that you actually want to change, just doing it differently 
that that's really what you you were like let's try this differently because i came out kind of fucked up so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I fall into that category <laughs> um i feel like most of us do in this in our little generation here but okay so in your experience what are the most common things that couples feel disconnected on well i mean i don't mean this to be like an intentional plug for the course but obviously this is the way i thought about it which is in the course there's five areas that i think matter one the, the course starts with communication because like communication is the ground, you know, by which we interact with each other. So if we can't communicate well, the rest of it is probably not going to go that well. And then it goes into sex and intimacy issues, then money issues, parenting differences, and then getting our individual needs met and like burnout issues. So those are the five main areas that I cover in the course where I think stuff comes up. But I would say the thing that I notice the most when with new parents is that there's an issue about who's doing more, right? Mm, like every oh single, <laughs> yeah, yes. every single new parent I know is in a battle about who's doing more and what I call scorekeeping, right? Like, well, I did this much of this and you did this much as this. And I think we have to call a spade a spade here. I would say the biological mom more is on the biological mom at the beginning. It, that just is, is true, right? I mean, there's no way around that. You carried the child, gave birth to the child, or maybe breastfeeding the child. And I think there's kind of an inherent unfairness to that. But obviously I think it goes beyond that where there's issues that arise with other things that we do have more control over in terms of fairness. And both people feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. Either, you know, I'm not being supported with doing the things that I want to do or taking care of the kid well, or having time to myself or whatever. And then another partner might not feel appreciated for their efforts or feel like they're, you know, being seen as doing a good job or that they feel kind of alone. And it's so easy for disconnection to arise because there's so much dividing and conquering that has to happen yes. where you're not in each other's worlds very much and you're not seeing the weight that you're each carrying and then you're just kind of like I think I'm doing more. I think I'm carrying more of the family system. Oh, you think you're carrying more of the family system and you're just so exhausted and frustrated and threadbare that you're like, I have no desire to see it from your side. Like you got to come over here and get in my world. I think those areas are important and that's why I go over them, but that's kind of the most common upfront manifestation of challenge that I see for, for new parents. It feels like you've been like peeking in my window and like watching <laughs> my husband and I. I would say that's probably the number one thing that we discuss or that we talk about is who's doing more, who's doing what. And then even just how we're two ships in the night often, mm -hmm. like we are that divide and conquer. And we have we have animals and we live on a small farm. So we have a lot of things that have to happen every day. And at the end of the day, you don't see each other. So you're not connecting. And when you're tired and stressed and maybe annoyed because you feel like you're doing more, it's very easy for that disconnect to happen. So it's, it's hard. I mean, something my husband and I always try to remind each other and ourselves is playing for the same team. We are scoring the goals together, doing the touchdowns together. Like we're on the same team. That's really beautifully said because um, this is one of the things, the ways I see this going wrong is when you start a relationship, like part of being in the honeymoon phase is this feeling that like, we're now a unit, we're doing life together. All the things that excite me, I want to share with you, right? And I want to know how you think about life. Like we are now turned facing the world together, walking forward. And I think as relationships go on, and especially as you have kids, it can start to feel like that your partner's actually inhibiting you 
from having the life you want or inhibiting you and your child from having what they want. And that can get really gnarly. And so just that fundamental turn that you're talking about of reminding yourselves like, wait a minute, we are on the same team. Fundamentally, we want the most well-being for each other, ourselves, our family, our child. That's what all of this is about. And if we're looking at it from that lens, like how can we reorient what we're talking about or make changes in how we're doing things? Like it makes a huge difference, I think, to keep come back, coming back to that. Yeah. It's never going to be equal 100% of the time. And there will be seasons where you might have to pick up more and there'll be seasons where your partner has to pick up more. And that's just the peaks and valleys of how your work life or your personal life or your social life works. So that's why it is important to be on that team mentality, because just like, I guess, on a soccer field or I'm not really a sports (laughs) gal, but I imagine if one teammate is down, you tap out and the other one taps in and that's how it works. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that zooming out and like seeing the big picture of, yeah, you might be doing more of this thing in this exact moment, but like, let's make sure that we have as much equality as we can in the long run and big picture. If there's nothing we can change right now in a literal sense is such an important way of looking at it. When these disconnects are happening, it's very easy for them, the romance of it all to kind of slip away, especially like I was saying, and I know I'm not alone in this, that when your ship's in the night and you're dividing and conquering, it's hard to, if you don't have a connection to then take it to next level and have that romance. After having a newborn and where Mm -hmm. most couples are in that survival mode, how do you start to bring the romance back into the relationship? Yeah, it's 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 such a good question. And I think there's a lot of different answers to it that come at different times. I mean, first of all, I just think at the very beginning, uh, and you had said this to me uh, offline that, you know, there there's things that in my opinion, it's kind of weird for me to be saying this, but I think it needs to be said, like, you know, I had no idea about birth injuries before I had a child, right? There's something weird about that to me that like, I'm not even aware of this massive rite of passage that my wife is going through. And I I happen to be me, right? I'm like a trained therapist. So I'm like, wow, my wife's name is Liz. I'm like, wow, Liz, like I bow down to you, like, like (laughs) utmost respect for this, you know, like whatever you need, you know, but I mean, I doubt that a lot of people are necessarily taking that view or even aware enough to take that view, right? So at the beginning, there is this weird balance between like respecting the sort of intimate distance that has to be the case, right? Especially because our identity has changed and, you know, there's our bodies changed and also our identity has changed. So we're like consumed by the new parent identity and consumed by the new parent responsibilities. And that's not that sexy, right? Like not having an independent sense of self is not that sexy. So you're balancing this desire to have intimacy and sexuality with each other with the reality that in some ways it's not going to be possible and certainly not going to be possible in the way it was before. So I think it's important to keep that alive as much as you can. Just A, like in frequency, I recommend in the course, like I don't, I think you shouldn't go more than a month like obviously the first, you know, eight weeks are a no go, you know, in terms of penetration, but I don't think you should generally go more than a month without having like an intimate interaction, right. That something is more than kind of your friend sort of way of being your partner way of being, I think ideally something once a week. And the caveat to that is the other thing I'm going to say, which is we need to expand our definition of intimacy. And, And maybe this is more of an issue with heterosexual couples, but like, I think a lot of couples have this sort of on off switch of like sex, not sex, right? It's like, 
It's like, we're just doing our lives and then we're having sex. Right. <laughs> and that really doesn't work as parents. Like, I mean, yeah. a lot of people are hip to this now and kind of more in understanding of like the spectrum of sexuality and sexual energy. But I think generally that's still kind of the default. And so, you know, if you're trading massages once a week, right. Or making sure that you're kissing a lot, right. Or just giving each other hugs as you pass by, or even, you know, like if we get into kind of love languages stuff, like affirming words or just like gratitude, you know, like these things keep the intimate feeling between the two of you alive as best you can, right. Knowing that like, you're not going to get a 10 out of 10, right. This is not going to be the most sexy, intimate time of your relationship, but you have to make sure to make the available moments like really intentionally done. If that's all we have available this week is like, we can lay next to each other, talk about how exhausted we are and just like hold each other's hands or touch each other's skins. That's so much better than just turning the other direction, you know? Yes. Love that. Yeah. And, and then I'll say one more thing, which is just as time goes on, this kind of changes, right? Which is you do get some of your sense of self back, right? The baby is not on you all the time. The baby is not developing through literally being connected to you constantly, right? And you remember some semblance of who you are. And then at that point, it's really important, I would say, to get time away from your kid. I know this is triggering for a lot of people because we want to be good parents. We want our kids to be well taken care of. But I actually think it's really healthy for our kid as once they get more of a security in the world to get time with other people, you know, and in that diversity of interaction. And you get that time to remember who you are as an individual and what it's like to be in a relationship. And I think that distance and that sense of, oh yeah, we're still a couple. There is still a relationship here underneath all of this chaos, you know, makes that sort of intimacy and sexual energy more available to you uh, in a way that it's not as available when you're kind of in the throes of the family unit. A lot of people ask, I know in my circle, we talk about it all the time is how long should you go without having sex? Like when is yeah. it a problem. I think a lot of people want to, and I, it's different for every single person, every single couple, but I feel like that's, that's really nice, practical advice. Hey everyone. It's your host, Lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show. I do this show because I love it. And as a self-funded creator, your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor. So here's how you can help. Share this episode with a mom friend, caretaker, or soon-to-be mom friend. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to throw me some coins, you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Any little bit helps, and I appreciate your support. Finally, give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal. I love meeting my listeners, so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself. Now, let's get back to the show. You're saying like expanding the definition of intimacy. It's not just penetration. It's not just sex. Like it's other stuff. It's, it's play. It's finding yeah. pleasure with each other in different ways. And Esther Perel, he says foreplay begins like the moment sex ends. So basically like just mm -hmm. always being in this sort of foreplay state with your partner. And that's kind of like what you were talking about is making sure that you're kissing and you're hugging and you're being playful with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, in early parenthood, 
keeping that simmer as they call it alive is going to be a lot harder, uh, yeah. right? Like there are going to be moments, but just doing your best, right? I mean, I think one problem people have is it just gets so hopeless. You're like, I feel so disconnected to you. I'm so frustrated by what's not possible. Or for me, just personally, like a lot of insecurities came up that kind of had been buried in the background about being desirable and being, you know, like whether or not Liz is attracted to me or wants me or, you know, what's between us anymore. And it can get really hopeless, right? You just feel like we're never going to find each other again sometimes, but you just keep engaging. It has to be really important, even if it's different and somewhat, you know, still frustrating, you know, we have to come back. We can't just let it go. Cause that's when people end up in like the stereotype of, you know, the sexless roommate marriage that, and they're like, how did we get here? You know, and it's just, you know, you didn't put as much glue there as you could. Right. I'm actually a good transition to my next question. How do you know if your relationship is in trouble? Let, let's say in, and maybe taking it a step further, how do you know that you're on the brink of divorce? There's actually a very simple answer to this. Um, believe it or not, which is basically, well, I could say it John Gottman's way, who's, you know, the world's foremost relationship researcher, which is basically, you know, when his four horsemen are present, um, which are stonewalling, defensiveness, contempt and criticism. What he calls contempt is basically where your issues with the person become about who they are as a person, as opposed to what they're doing. This is actually my definition of resentment, which is that resentment is a negative character judgment of your partner. And so what happens for people when they're in a bad place is there's this circular reinforcing negative feedback loop that happens where, you know, like a very common one is like, you're too needy. And you're too distant instead of going, Hey, you know, when you are on your cell phone, when you're having dinner, like I'd rather we were connecting or whatever, right. That becomes you're too distant. You're a selfish person who doesn't care about my feelings. Right. And they're like, it never ends from you. Every, like you always want something for me. You can never give me any space for my own thing. And the way that these things are dealt with affect each other, right? The more that I distance myself, the more that my partner needs my attention. Actually in our, my relationship, this is the reverse. I'm the needy one and she's the distant one. But um, you know, the more I need her attention, the more she feels smothered and backs away, the more you know, I start to feel alone and need more of her attention. And so these judgments of who each other are as people gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you hear, I hear this all the time in my office, right? When you hear people talking like that to each other, you need to be really careful because your relationship is in serious danger. Because what happens is you feel more and more and more and more disconnected from each other and you're not making any progress forward. Your bids to repair it are getting less and less heard and it's getting more and more and more angry. Sometimes it's not angry, like forcefully angry, but just kind of like hopeless and distant. And eventually the way that we code this experience is we're not compatible. This actually isn't about compatibility because every couple has some sort of loop that they can get into given the right sort of bad circumstances, but that's how we code it because it's about their personality traits and about our personality traits. So we go, well, we just don't have compatible personality traits. You know, it shouldn't be this hard. I think I could have a better relationship with someone else. You know, we should just call it quits. And you don't realize that we, what we did was we went from triggering events 
that were not dealt with appropriately to super triggering narratives about who our partner is as a person to reinforcing that over and over again to a sense of incompatibility to a hopelessness with no other option than to split up. Whoa. It's like, a. <laughs> I just feel like I visualized like a snowball and how it really starts yeah. as something small and then it just gets bigger and bigger and but that's enlightening and it's stuff that we should talk about when you're in the thick of survival mode and you're in family building, you're both busy with your careers. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of your relationship and you just sort of go on default mode. And, and yeah, some of these, your relationship can fall into trouble if you don't both, it's like a car, right? Like if you're not mm -hmm. giving it oil changes and doing all the, I'm using all these analogies that I don't know, sports, <laughs> cars, <laughs> but I imagine like my car, if I don't give it an oil change, change the tires, rotate the tires, whatever, whatever yeah. you got to do, it's not going to run yeah. for very long. It's not going to go the 200,000 no. miles that you want it to. So right. I feel like a relationship is kind of like that. Now, how do you build back? I almost said build back better, which isn't that the president Biden plan? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that's, that's <laughs> how funny. do you build back better? <laughs> how do we build back better? Yeah. So. So I'm going to answer this question two ways. I'm going to answer it from sort of neutral, like how do you build greater connection? And then I'll answer it from when we've gotten to resentment. Um, what do we do about that? So the basic premise of baby proofing a relationship is to use every moment of tension as an opportunity for greater connection and to become better partners. Now, this is an aspirational idea because you're definitely not going to be able to use every moment of tension. But the general principle is when we encounter something difficult with each other, going back to your team thing, it is imperative that we are on a team team going, okay, something's off. It's off in our understanding of each other. It's off in the way that we're doing this. And this needs to be attended to, right? This needs, I need to know more where you're coming from, or you need to know more where I'm coming from, or we need to try a new action step, right? So there's this process of like trial and error that we're doing basically, right? Where we're aligned as a team and we're going, okay, how can we make this work better? What, what do you need more of? Like, what am I not understanding about this? Now, this is not easy, right? All of these conversations get really triggering, but it doesn't, the thing that people don't understand is you don't have to do this in the moment perfectly, but you have to come back to stuff, right? You have to go, wow, I really blew up when you said that thing earlier. Like I, if I could do that over again, I would say, what do you actually mean by that? Cause I think I just ran with it and I want to know what you actually meant. Right. And so there's this process of fracture and repair that we need to be always engaged in where like being in a secure partnership actually comes through breakdowns and then reconnecting over those breakdowns. So we don't have to be afraid of them, right? Like if we're not actually bringing things to each other, that's not going to connect us. Right. But if we're, we're, we're bringing things to each other and sweeping them under the rug, that's going to super disconnect us. Right. So we need to be in this collaborative process with the other part of it is how do you come back from resentment? The trick to this is figuring out what the themes are that each other keep coming back to, right? So going back to my previous example, if my theme is to my wife, like you're in your own world, you're selfish, whatever, what it, why does that matter to me, right? Like all, sort of all roads lead to Rome sort of thing. Well, it says to me, you know, I'm not desirable to you or I don't matter to you, right? My wife's themes are more like, she's like, you're giving me a bad grade. You're telling me I'm not good enough, right? So what you'll find is that, 
actually this snowballing cycle happens because we're really not as complicated as we wish we were. And we just have a handful of things that are kind of our prime fights that we keep coming back to. So when we've ended up in this place where I'm really entrenched in this belief about my wife and she's really entrenched in this belief about me, we need to be like, we need to nip this in the bud. We need to come back and figure out like, what what is the set of themes that are snowballing here? And like, how can I understand more what it is that's happening for you. What do you mean by this, right? Like, where do you see me not giving you enough appreciation or giving you a bad grade? How can I reinforce that more, right? And likewise, in for her in my direction, how can I make you feel like you matter more? You do matter to me. Something is getting missed here. And the problem that people encounter is we debate each other constantly, right? So my wife's conversation or a partner A's conversation is in competition with my conversation or partner B's conversation. And there's no, no one's getting anywhere because I keep changing it back to no, but you don't understand X about me. And she keeps changing it back to no, but you don't understand this, or you're doing this wrong or whatever. And it just goes infinitely. It's like, you know, in star Wars, the dark side and the light side hit each other and then just go the other direction. And it happens infinitely. So there has to be this commitment to, it doesn't matter what objective truth is. It doesn't matter if I have actually done 30% more of the dishes than you. It matters that you feel unsupported, that I am contributing to making you feel a certain way that is painful to you. And you're contributing in reverse to making me feel a certain way that's painful to me. And this sucks. Like, let's want to do something about this. Let's separate, I call this separating conversations. Let's separate these issues from each other and deal with each one of them as a valid thing in its own right. And then deal with the other one in a valid thing as its own right. And, you know, one last thing I'll say is this is a practice. This is very difficult to do, right? Like emotions are high, stakes are high, you're co-parenting, you're with the kid. It's very unlikely you're going to have a perfect like wow, that was crazy. I just got so triggered when you said that thing. Let me hear you, right? It's going to go badly. And so this is why I have this whole thing that I really believe in about come back, come back. When you get grounded again, come back and be like, I totally botched that. I want to know how I can better support you or what this is like for you. And you have to get really granular. What's the words I'm using? What's the specific actions? Because we're so off about what it is that's actually making the person upset. Like, this is the thing that always baffles me in therapy is like, we're generally just so wrong about what it is that's actually upsetting the other person or where we got these ideas from. And like, when we hear them, we're like, oh, that's the thing that was bothering you, right? And we're just so stuck in the, but I did this, this, and this, and this for you. Why aren't you seeing it sort of conversation? Yep, it's never about the dishes. It's a, it's never about about how you load the dishwasher. Let's be real. Blown away. Number one, love all Mm. of that. It's so true. I know that for me, I get really snippy. If I get, start to get snippy, it's because I need affection. When I don't get affection from my husband, I know I notice and he, and I always say, sorry. And I'm like pissed. I'm sorry. I'm feeling just I need attention. And I've like been able to at least always communicate that because it's not, I don't, Mm. it's not about the laundry on the floor. It's really that I want hugs and kisses. Yeah. But with the limited time we have left, tell us Mm -hmm. all about this course, baby proofing your relationship. Well, I, well, first of all, I'm glad what I said landed with you and and that, you know, kind of get makes sense in your world as well. 
Yeah. So just, I mean, I'll, I'll do my, I said a lot of it. I mean, basically I talk about just this idea that having a kid is very difficult, right? Introducing a kid into your family system is very difficult. There's a lot of challenges, you know, sleeping, not having your own time space, so on and so forth. And we divide and conquer. We get emotionally disconnected. We don't have the time to repair the issues. New issues arise because of the new dynamics. And that reinforcing feedback loop that I talked about gets really in place and we feel incompatible and we are like, okay, well, we can just grin and bear it and be roommates. We can betray the boundaries of our relationship with affairs or whatever, or we can split up, right? Those are kind of the three ways that we handle things like this. And so I'm like, you know, this, I, I hate this phrase, but like, but it doesn't have to be this way, right? Like this way. Lit- literally. And so, and so my operating principle is use these moments of tension as opportunities for connection. And then I tell you how to do that, right? I'm like, here's where the tension is going to arise in communication. Here's how you connect over these things, right? Here's how you have better communication. Here's where it's going to arise. It's going to create distance and disconnection and resentment and sex and intimacy. Here's how you deal with that. And in each pitfall, I have a perspective shift, right? Which is something to think, a principle, which is kind of like a verb sort of operating you know, principle, like do this, um, in communication, it's separate conversations. And then there's a set of actions and then you go through all of the modules. There's there. And then there's exercises actually where you and your partner talk together and people love these they are like super uplifting. It's not like therapy where you leave angry. <laughs> it's like super uplifting, super guided. It's really beautiful. And then um, I have all these mini modules on like dealing with in-laws or how to ground yourself when you're feeling ungrounded. You so, have an in-laws um, module? I have a mini module on in-laws. Yeah. Oh, that's so that sells the course to me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's it. It's, it's a series of videos. I made it with my friend who produced a couple master classes and is an Emmy nominated um, short documentary maker. So it's really beautiful as well. That's incredible. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. Do you want to just say the website? I feel like I, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. Babyproofingyourrelationship.com. Thanks for joining us this week on the new mama's podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.